That rug really tied the room together, did it not? Episode number 33, the big 3-3, Trace Trace. As they say, I don't know if anyone's ever said that, but I just said it, so we're going to keep saying it. Trace Trace, or Trace Dose, three twos. No, that wouldn't make any sense. That's retarded. Ooh. Can't drop the N, can't drop, oh, definitely can't drop the N word. Definitely can't drop the R word, but... Hey, we're moving past it. Fun fact. Also, I was talking to somebody about this and they're like, so how long does it take you to edit the podcast afterwards? And I'm like, not real much time at all. And they're like, well, it's it sounds like seamless. And I was like, yeah, well, I have silence detection that picks up on it, but I don't like edit parts out or anything. He's like, you just rip through it. And I'm like, yeah. I, this is me live. Like, this is me recording it. I don't go back. I don't take, I don't do retakes. Um, I don't do any of that stuff. Like, I don't, first of all, if I did that, my perfectionist type of personality would, we'd never get anything accomplished. I'd sit here for four hours and get three minutes in because I'd have to have everything perfect and I would do retakes on top of retakes. And I feel like that's where you lose the authenticity of it. It's authenticious. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't let, I don't go back and redo things. I think maybe I've done it once just because the microphone wasn't on, but so I was just talking into the void. But yeah, I don't, uh, definitely don't go back and re-record stuff or re like redo it or clip it, shit like that. Like the only editing that happens is silence detection and that's it. So moving along. Number 33, forgot about that. So 33 is known as a magic number in the field of atomic physics. Magic numbers are the number of nucleons such that they are arranged into complete shells within the atomic nucleus. This configuration makes the atom more stable than when the nucleons are not arranged into complete shells. The magic numbers are 2, 8, 20, 28, 50, 82, and 126. But there is something special about 33. 33 is doubly magic in the context of potassium 33, 33K, and chlorine 33, 33CI. Or is it CL? CL. I'm retarded. Meaning both their proton and neutron numbers are magic numbers. Potassium-33 has 19 protons and 14 neutrons. 19 plus 14 is 33. While chlorine has 33 as 17 protons and 16 neutrons. 17 plus 16, 33. These isotopes are more stable than others with the same atomic mass. Outside of physics, the number 33 also holds, holds significance in various cultures and fields. For example, in numerology, it's often associated with altruism and harmony. In Freemasonry, the 33rd degree is the highest level one can attain in the Scottish Rite. So, I mean, I'm not saying you have to take this stuff to the grave with you or anything, but I'm more of a fun fact guy, especially at work, which we'll talk about later. Um, I always like to throw a fun fact out there just to keep the conversation going or start a conversation. So that's why I always feel, I always do this fun fact shit just to see what it's about. And that's what's going to move us right into this date in history, June 22nd. So June 22nd, 1944, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed the Servicemen's Readjustment Act of 1944, commonly known as the GI Bill. The GI Bill was a landmark piece of legislation that provided a range of benefits from returning World World War II veterans, who are often known as GIs, 
The benefits included funding for education and housing, which provided to be enormously popular. Through the GI Bill, millions of veterans were able to attend colleges, universities, trade schools, and receive training programs. It also provided loans for returning veterans to buy homes and start businesses. The impact of the GI Bill was enormous. It played a significant role in the post-war economic boom in the United States and was instrumental in the expansion of the American middle class. The educational benefits helped cultivate a skilled workforce, which contributed to advancement in technology and other fields. Furthermore, the GI Bill set a precedent for the government's role in supporting veterans and has been modified and extended through various pieces of legislation over the years to provide benefits for veterans in subsequent conflicts. The GI Bill, so there's two now. There's the GI Bill, which is this one we just talked about, and then there's another one called the Post-9-11. Similar benefits as the original GI Bill. Um, You can't use them both. You can use one or the other. The GI Bill is more of um, it's more of like cash up front for school. I think it's like $68,000 you use and they pay for your housing in the area you're going to school in. So you have $68,000 to get a degree in any f- subject you want. The post 9-11 is a little easier. Um, the, I think it's they pay you seven fifty per credit hour you want to take. It's pretty. It's they pretty much cover an entire bachelor's degree, and they also pay you your housing rate for that area. They don't just give you the cash up front though. You have to like put a voucher in for it. So it's not you're getting sixty eight thousand dollars deposited in your bank account and it's like have fun. It's more of the the government just covers the cost of school while you're in it. There's more details in it, but I don't know the ins and outs of it that much. But the GI Bill, both of them are top of the line, pay for your education. Um, and I think most schools take them. Um, they get like a tax credit back for it as well. And it's one of the main selling points for the military in recruiting. If you're one of the people that gets out of high school and you don't want to go to college or you can't afford college, you want to take out loans. The military is an easy route. If you're a reservist or a guardsman, it still applies to you. You just have to do a little more years than active duty just because you only work half the time. So um, it is a really good benefit, especially if you take advantage of it and you could pass it on to your kids. So I'm never going to use it, I don't think. So if I have kids, eventually I can pass it along to them so they can go to school for free. Although I think college should be free anyway, but we can get into that topic a little later. Anyway, moving right along, that fucking submarine finally got confirmed that this thing ain't going to make it or didn't make it, uh, which was mostly the vibe the entire time after like the first day of this thing getting lost. Uh, Listen to an expert. He was supposed to be on this thing, but he 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 paid 10 grand for the deposit. He saw this little vessel and was like, no, I'm good. This thing ain't going to last. He kind of knew it. He was saying that at the rate at which they've drop down into the ocean once they hit the once they hit two hours which is a certain depth is when if an implosion is going to happen it's going to happen there and they lost contact with the ship an hour 45 into um into the mission so he believes it imploded three days ago and he's looking for it wasn't a waste of time because we did it we just didn't know but he's like it more than likely imploded um the glass that was on it wasn't supposed to hold more than like four thousand pounds of pressure and there's like quadruple that amount down after two hours of sinking so the whole thing was kind of shoddy it was built like carbon fiber not steel like it was it was bound to blow apart eventually and they pushed it to the limit um they took it down there this was the fifth time i think and every engineer that's associated with like like maritime engineering was like that thing shouldn't have went down once and survived and they took it down three more times that and this was the fifth so it lasted a lot longer than it should have but there were red flags all over the place i'm sure there's going to be i wouldn't even say a congressional investigation because 
we don't really care. Like people die at sea all the time. We don't have to investigate anything. But there's definitely going to be engineers and all this, all these people coming out now that are going to say like, "Oh yeah, this thing was a piece of shit." Like here's why, and they'll tell you. So more information will come out. But you know, rest in peace. That's got to be a shitty way to die. Not the worst way though. If you're in that situation, I think getting. four days of knowing you're going to suffocate. And then once it hits like that two hour mark where you're like, even if they caught us now and pulled us up, we're still not going to get out. So like at that point, all hope is completely gone and you're just waiting to pass out. But the thing with carbon dioxide poisoning, carbon dioxide poisoning, I don't know what word I said before that, is you mostly just pass out and fall asleep. And that's how you go. I think that's what that's what I've heard two experts say is that you just kind of faint and don't wake up. I'm sure there's a point where you're panicking but it's short-lived because you don't have oxygen. But so either way, not the best way, but I think getting crushed to death instantly is the best way to go. You just don't even feel it. You're just crushed. It's over. Good night. You know, waiting it out for the four days, knowing you're going to die is definitely the worst way. Um, They can't explain that banging sound they heard. What they're thinking is it might've been the debris hitting the seafloor and like kind of either it hit the Titanic or it hit the seafloor and was like still breaking apart. So they still don't know what that was about. Again, I'm sure someone will figure it out or, you know, maybe there's new data coming out, but pretty much the sea is unforgiving, like I said the other day. So rest in peace to those guys. But if you want to be a billionaire and do some crazy shit, you know, play, what's the phrase? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, fuck around and find out. So fuck them. They're dead. That's the wrong sounder, but we're gonna we're gonna let it go. Like I said, I don't make edits in this thing, man. We're just gonna let that ride. I was supposed to hit this one, but everyone loves Pitbull better, right? Well, now that we got that out of the way, the breaking news, we're going to circle it back, circle the wagon back to a previous segment we did. I feel like every time I do it, I say, oh, we're, you know, we're going to do it, keep doing it weekly. And then I, I don't know if I, I'm pretty sure I did it last week because, you know, I do so many podcasts that I forget which part I've done. But I'm basically, this is the military one again, where we're going to be talking about life in the military. Um, a lot of questions I get, mostly when I go home or talk to people that aren't in the military and they don't know what the military does. Like they obviously they know we kill people and whatever, but like someone like my mom who still to this day, I think she believes I walk around with a gun, a bulletproof vest on helmet. And all we do is like shoot things and walk around and on edge all day. That's not what we do especially in the Air Force. Um, But the questions I usually get, it's like, oh, so you're just on base all the time? It's like, no, I live in a house. And then they're like, oh, so you you get to go home? It's like, yeah, I get to go home. I get to take vacations. I I get paid a salary. I sit at a desk all day where you're not under the threat of like dying. It's just like going, it's just like you going into work. But I think my office is safer than yours outside. Actually, you know what? It is safer than yours because we have a perimeter surrounded by people with guns. A plane can crash into our building, but a plane can also crash into yours. Haha, <laughs> 9-11, you know? So that's like the main threat is that happening. But outside of that, I mean, the military life, it's really not that bad at all. Once you're in it, it can be overwhelming at first because you're in that like, the military has my ass now and it does have your ass your entire career. But once you come to terms with that, you can live a 49.9% 
free life and the military has 50.1% of you. So at any time, my phone can ring right now and they could be like, we need you to come into the office and you're going to stay here indefinitely. That's not, it, it'll never happen. I'm not, but it's not impossible that then that can happen. They can just order you to be like, no, you're staying here until X, Y, and Z gets done. And that's that. Tomorrow they can be like, hey, you're going, we're going to war. You know, and I can wake up tomorrow, we're at war with somebody and they're like, gear up, we're going. That's a possibility. Doubt it's going to happen. But that's, you come to terms with like, that is a possibility, but it's not something you think about. But it is in the back of your head. That's why they make you always have your will updated, your health insurance, um, anything that you pretty much make sure your fares are always in order. And it's not like every day I go in and check this shit. It's like once a year, you got to do like a refresher course. you like update your, it's like your virtual readiness something. I don't know, some acronym. You update it and that's it. And then you go from there. And you just kind of live with it that it can happen. It's never going to happen. You, I've talked to people that have been in the military for since before 9-11. And they're like, even after 9-11, that shit didn't really happen. In the Air Force, at least. Like, yeah, we did quick deploy after that and stuff. But it wasn't like, a, hey, you're leaving. It's 9 o'clock today. You're leaving at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning type of thing. You know, there was still some kind of heads up for it. A good example of having zero heads up is when I got sent to help out the Afghan refugees in New Jersey, actually where I'm stationed now, but um, that happened. They told me, so my old job was to do the weather for that, for the, for them leaving Afghanistan. I had to make sure the weather was, not make sure the weather was clear, but give the weather report to the pilots that were flying out of Afghanistan. So did that. And then three days later, it was like five days later, I would say, they were like, well, we need people to take care of these refugees. And we're going to, we have to send two, two people. You're pretty much the only person that's qualified to go. Like everyone else has families. That was basically what they said in a nutshell is, do you want to go? I'm like, do I have to? Yes. Okay. You know, like they, and there was like no reason for me not to go. And there was one of those moments where I had to remember I'm in the military and they can just tell me what I'm going to do. So they worded it nicely. Do you want to go? Yes or no? And I'm like, I do want to go, but am I being forced to go? And they were like, yeah, you're getting forced to go. I'm like, damn it. So it was me and another person and everyone else that I work with has a family and kids and have has every excuse in the book not to go. And I was also the youngest, the lowest on the totem pole. So I got fucked and had to go. But that was one of those situations where I had to remind myself, like, I'm in the military. This shit can happen on the fly. And it did. I got told on Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. They were like, you're going to go. You have two weeks to prepare. And then by that afternoon, they're like, you're leaving on Friday. Like it literally took like three hours until they're like, no, wait, you're leaving on Friday. And I was like, wait a minute. I got to do like, but this is the thing. All my affairs are in order. They should be at least. So they were like, what's stopping you? And I was like, well, I have a dog. You know what I mean? Like I got shit I got to take care of. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have, even if you have everything you think you have prepared, when they tell you like, no, you're leaving in like less than fucking 72 hours, you still have to get things in order. You know what I mean? Like, do I have to make another set of keys? You know, like shit like that. So I ended up not having to leave. I was supposed to leave on Friday, but I told them I was driving from South Carolina and they're like, oh, you don't have to report until Sunday. But if I would have flown, they would have sent me on a plane on that Friday. So again, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm in the military. I got to do what they got to do. But that's rare that that really happens that quick outside of like we're getting bombed overnight unexpectedly or terrorist attack or something. So that's always in the back of people's heads like shit could pop off. And when it does, we kind of signed on the dotted line that we're going to be the ones to go and take care of it. So I love my job. I don't think there's anything really bad about the military outside of once you get past that initial they own my ass thing. It's really not that bad. Obviously, you can't do what everyone else can do as in like drugs and stuff. So you got to be mindful of that kind of stuff. There is a lot of restrictions 
options like on your weekend, say you have a four day weekend, you can literally travel anywhere in the world. We're usually limited by like eight hours or we have to put in leave like our vacation days in and we kind of have to tell somebody where we're going to go. We can't just be like, oh, I'm taking leave. I'm going to go do whatever I want. They kind of, You have to kind of give them an area you're going to go. And if you're going overseas, you have to meet with like investigators and a whole thing to they give you like a terrorist report and you have to jump through a couple hoops. And then when you come back, if say you do go overseas, right, like on a cruise into like international waters, you have to come back and they give you like a debrief. And you pretty much have to say like, if you saw anything, if you think you're being followed, um, stuff like that. So it kind of puts you on some radar, but not like in a bad way. It's just like, hey, we're going to monitor you a little more to make sure no one's following you because you just went overseas and we're hoping you didn't bring anything back with you. And they're also checking to make sure you didn't go meet with a terrorist or something. So um, that is one of the negative things is like, you're kind of being watched, but not really, unless they have to look for you unless you're doing something illegal and they know it or they have a suspicion then they have like free reign to like invade your entire privacy like i know there are laws and there's policies against doing shit like that but if they suspect you're not even like on the terrorist front if they suspect like you're selling drugs right if they thought i was selling drugs that fourth amendment pretty much goes out the window they will find out you know what i mean like they'll have someone in the window right now watching me they'll have people subscribe to my podcast which thanks for listening if you are listening to osi Appreciate the appreciate the listen and the traction. But yeah, they'll find out and they'll be like, oh, well, we followed all the procedures and stuff. And then it'll get reviewed by people that made the procedures. So like, anyway, it's going to be hard to argue against that. Um, so yeah, there's a little more restrictions on stuff. And then like people think I, I stand there. I'm like, sir, yes, sir. And like, I'm doing all that crazy shit. Like, no, even when you're, I'm fresh out of basic training, I'm doing that because that's the shit they burn into your head that you have to do. What it comes down to is they teach you just how to be an adult, how to respectfully talk to somebody. That's what they basically teach you is like, you can't just be like, yo, you know, or if you have a problem with somebody, you can't just be like, hey, asshole, I have a problem with you. They teach you how to like respectfully say, hey, asshole, I have a problem with you, which is mostly like, can I talk to you for a second? We need to fix this issue. That's code word for, hey, dickhead, we need to fix this shit, you know? And like we talk to each other like that. We do curse at each other and stuff, but basically what they want you to do is treat everybody with respect and it's going to sound cliche and it's stupid, but like treat how others, how you would want to be treated type of thing. Like, and then there is like the rank obviously that comes in with that. So the people I work with, the majority of them are all lower ranking than I do. They hit me with the sir or staff sergeant. They're like Sergeant Donahue, you know, like they hit me with that, with everything. They don't, they don't refer to me by anything other than Sir or Sergeant Donahue and stuff like that, which kind of, it's kind of weird. And when they do say it, it does kind of give me like a, it does make me like feel authoritative. Like I want to tell them no, just so I can prove that I can tell them no to do shit. But at the same time, I'm like, it's really not that big of a deal. And they never, they don't come to me with like crazy suggestions or crazy ideas like the other day i was giving a kid a a hard time and i was just being a dick to be a dick and he's like i'm gonna get my hair cut he's like sergeant donahue can i get my hair cut at 2 30 and i'm like why not get it on your lunch break you have a two-hour lunch break why don't you go he's like well it's the first appointment i'm like what about after work because you know this is a work day right and i was gonna say yes to him anyway but i'm just giving him a hard time because they they clam up especially the newer ones they like to clam up and they get like awkward and he's like well i guess i could recall reschedule it but i have to go 
to the gym and my routine is based on going to the gym and then coming home and eating dinner and then spending time with my wife. And it's like, bro, I was going to let you go anyway. I just wanted to see what you would do. You know, like the next time, try to make it during the lunch break or after work. Like, don't make it a repetitive thing where you're just going to get a haircut every week at 2.30 on a Tuesday afternoon. You know, like, you don't have to do that, but that's the kind of shit you have to deal with or I deal with is like, they hit me with like the Sir Sturgeon Donahue and like they come up like sad puppy eyes and like, can I go to the gas station and get coffee? And it's like, you couldn't have done that before you came in? Well, I was running late. All right, you shouldn't have been running fucking late then. Go ahead, go get coffee. You know, like, so they're coming with the rank because I still do this. And I tell them, I teach this to them too. I'm like, it goes miles and we're supposed to do it. So it's not something that's like out of their, out of their depth to handle. But I'm like, when you, even if you know the person, like Sergeant Ramirez, he's the master sergeant in our office, cool dude. He's been in, he's retiring in like three months, very laid back and he's in retirement mode. So he really doesn't give a shit about a lot of things. I'm like, even if you, you know him, like he's your best friend. He talks to us like he's, we're his close buddies. Just because that's the case, you should still hit him with a sir. Stand up when he talks to you. If he comes over to your desk, like stand up. All he's going to tell you to do is sit down. That's it. But as long as you keep doing that, especially with people you know, and then you do it to a stranger, they're going to notice that you're the person that did that. Like, and that's part of our job. Like it's, you know what I mean? We're supposed to be doing it, but a lot of times people don't do that. So I tell them, I'm like, the little things like that get noticed. When you do something that's extravagant and you kiss ass, people are going to be like, he's a kiss ass. I'm like, but if you do something small like that, like just standing up when a higher ranking person talks to you, it goes a long way in how it looks to everybody else. So the military thing, just the military life thing is like, it's like ingrained in you after a while. Like you just know how to talk to people and you kind of know how to not finesse, but you're just treating people with respect. Last story, last little tidbit here, because we're hitting 26 minutes now. I've been dealing with scheduling a doctor's appointment, right? So we have a referral system. Our health insurance doesn't let us just make appointments with any doctor willy-nilly. We have to go to our main doctor, the military doctor, and then they give you a referral to go to a specialist if they believe you need to see the specialist. And they're never really going to say no unless it's something crazy. But you can be like, well, I, you don't, you're not a endocrinologist. You're not a pathologist. I want to speak to somebody that can read blood. You know what I mean? Like, did you study that? No. All right. Cause then I see a specialist and they're like, yeah, sure. So then I have to call, I get a referral, right? And then the referral tells me what doctor to go to. This is the only time this has happened to me where the referral is to a place that's not open. So I have to call the insurance company and say, hey, I got a referral from you guys. However, this doctor's office doesn't exist anymore. And they're like, okay, we'll we'll switch it. Thanks for letting us know. A couple of minutes go by, it updates in the computer. I call this one and they don't have an appointment for a whole year. So I'm like, all right, I got to call the insurance company again. So I didn't realize I did this until after the fact, but I call and I say, hey, it's me again. Can you fix it? And it came off kind of not, it wasn't as respectful as it could have been. I wasn't being disrespectful, but I was very like nonchalant. And the lady on the other end wasn't too thrilled to deal with that. She was having a tough day, I assume, because she wasn't, she was like, excuse me. And I was like, oh, I meant like, can you help me? She's like, you should have led with that. And I was like, okay, sorry, lady. And then the tension was already there. And then after the fact, I'm like, damn, I didn't do my classic because I have a trick. And this usually gets people to help you right away is when you call somebody, customer service or any person that you need something from, you always lead off with, you ask them how their day is. It's worked for me every time I've done it. So I call the insurance company, right? Hi, this is Humana Health. How can I help you today? Hi, ma'am. How are you doing today? I hit him with that. I'm doing all right. Just all right? Yeah, well, I'm at work. Oh, I feel you. I was wondering if you can help me out real quick. And then they're like, oh, sure. You know what I mean? You already established, you already asked them how their day is. You established a little bit of rapport and you're asking them for a favor. But if I answer the phone and I'm like, 
if I would have answered the phone and they were like, you man of health, how can I help you? And I was like, hey, you guys messed up my shit. They're going to be like, excuse me. And then it's going to be confront. It's going to be confrontational after that. So I've learned in the military, it's way easier to be nice to somebody right off the bat and show them respect because they'll show you respect right back unless they're having a really fucking tough day. But at that point, they kind of know they're being an asshole if you're being super nice. And you don't have to be overly nice. You just have to ask them how they're doing because usually people like to tell you how their day is going ahead of them listening to you, especially if it's a thing they've been doing over and over again, like customer service. So the military, I'm not going to say the M word that rhymes with grind set, not going to say it, but the military mentality um, goes a long way with just talking to people. Like you just be respectful right off the bat. And they usually, most people 99 out of a hundred times will reciprocate that back to you. So I kind of lost the thread there for a little bit, but we're going to wrap it up with the random question of the day. And this one was something we talked about at work. It was a pretty solid question. Would you rather know... I'm going to wait till the song's done. Would you rather know what's coming ahead of time or know what to do in any situation? So to clarify, would you rather know what's coming? So like you're driving and you know someone's going to cut in front of you like five seconds ahead of time. You can't tell what's going to happen, you know... You can't read the future like years or days in advance. You can tell what's going to happen ahead of you like by like 25, 30 seconds. Or would you know, would you want to know what to do in every situation? So let's use the driving example again. You're driving forward, you get into a car accident, and but you know exactly what to do. You're not stressed out about it because like, I have to call my insurance. I have to do this. I know my insurance covers X, Y, and Z. This could get fixed. You know what I mean? You already know what you're going to do. It's already like you're pre-programmed. Like now I'm going to do X, Y, and Z so I can continue my day and go from there. But if you were the first one, if you were the first choice, you would know you're going to get into a car accident. You would stop ahead of time because you're like, I'm not, uh, I know it's coming. So you stop or you turn or you do something to get out of that. So would you rather know what's coming ahead of time? But that being said, you're also never going to be surprised ever again. If you think about it, nothing is going to surprise you because you're going to know it's coming. So think if you took a test or you're about to get a promotion and like everyone's planning ahead of time to like surprise you, but you know it's coming. So you have to fake it. And you're like, like, I feel like that would wear you down because like you're kind of losing that joy of like a surprise. You know, like I'm not a big like surprise type. Like I hate not that I hate it moments people who hate surprises, but like I can do without it. But there are times when you get surprised like out of nowhere, like you got to promote you. You're going to get promoted or we don't need you to come in today. You know what I mean? You get you get excited for that kind of shit after you're after you're told about it. But if you know it's coming, it kind of ruins the whole thing. So um, for me, I think it would be know what to do in any situation. I think that's the one I would go with. I don't know why. I can't really explain it, but I think I would rather know what to do because I get myself into sticky situations and the worst thing is not knowing what to do and taking the time out to think about what you need to do. There's something like I always picture situations in my head ahead of time. Like what would I do right now if like just say I'm at work or the mall, any public place and there's like a shooting happening, you know, which has never happened. Thank Christ. But I always run that scenario in my head. Like I always scan the room when I walk in. I size up the room too, which is funny because I always look whenever time I empty a room, I immediately think who's ass who can kick my ass in here and usually no one can i always think i can kick everyone's ass but then there's times where i see a fucking behemoth six eight fucking 300 pound dude solid muscle and i'm like yeah i can get my ass kicked by that guy you know what i mean so i size up the room and i always check the exits and stuff and i don't know if that's from like my dad or something or the military where i always have to face the exit because i'm always scanning the room but doing knowing what to do in any situation i feel like is better than just knowing what's going to happen ahead of time i don't know it could go either way i feel like i'd rather know 
ahead of time what's gonna what's about to happen but then you still have to deal with it anyway so i guess you can prepare but then shit can happen that's like unexpected i don't know but then it wouldn't make sense because every nothing would be unexpected because you'd see it coming so i don't know maybe the first one then who knows anyway we're gonna wrap it up we're at the 34 minute mark that's a long ass time so rest in peace to those dudes in the submarine you know you tried you failed death toll in the titanic just went up by five and that's going to wrap it up. We will leave you on that note. We'll get out of here. I'm going to upload this. Get to sleep. Softball tonight. Played some third base. Team sucks. We lost 12-2. to two. It is what it is. So. But I played a dynamite third base. And it hit the ball a fucking mile. So. <laughs>